This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to a very, very happy fan podcast this week. You are listening to The View from the Gladys Street and after six weeks of absolute misery, our guests can finally talk about an Everton win and an Everton performance to be proud of. Asking the questions will be me, Ian Kroll, with our guests Ben Crawford and Rob Astle. Hello, lads. Hi, mate. You all right? Uh, good. Thanks very much. Lads, I can I can see you're all eager uh, to have the first word. But, Rob, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, that win and that performance, it was long overdue, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. It was like it was nice to watch a decent football team for once. But it was. It was for 90 minutes. It was front to back. It was... It was it was great and you could probably give the only minor criticism that you could probably give if you can give it is that we didn't score enough. It could have easily been six, seven, given the chances we had. But yeah, it was it was great. Um Ben, it's the first time I've watched match of the day this season. It's the first time I've actually come out of Goodison Park feeling genuinely like happy about the not just the win, obviously we've had wins this season, but the performance, knowing how well we played it. I mean, how how does that sit with you? Well, to be honest, I mean, the performance, like Rob alluded to there, was pretty much faultless for me. I don't think anyone on the pitch deserved less than an 8 out of 10. I thought, you know, it was nice to see all the players pulling together as well for the manager. I wasn't sure going into the game, I'll be honest, I thought, I don't know what the atmosphere's going to be quite like if after 20 minutes we're not winning, things aren't going our way. But then as soon as sort of the game started, especially after the first goal went in, it was clear that every single person in that club, whether it's Mishiri, because he was there, wasn't he? Um, the coaches on the bench and definitely the players they want Marco Silva to stay and that's I feel very heartened from it to be honest I, I didn't expect coming here today talking about how well we've done I thought even if we do win I thought we might scrape it or it might be a scrap game but you know what pretty pretty much as good as we've seen from a silver team since he's been here in my opinion Yeah well we, we didn't get the early goal as, as Ben just said there we got obviously it was in the first half wasn't it but mm. you know usually when that happens and the longer it goes without a goal, Rob, it's like the anxiety you can tell. But that that wasn't there, was it? Because the performance itself, individuals were were you know top of the game there against West Ham. Yeah, we were in complete control from from the off. Really, I mean, I was saying to Ben just before the start the start of the pod, I felt like you could see in maybe like the first five minutes, like a few nerves maybe. Um, but otherwise, you know, Mina and Keane kept um, Haller quiet. Felipe Anderson was that bad. He got hooked at half time, and I think that's because Sadibi and Sadibi uh, done such a job on him. It was a strange decision for me from West Ham. I, I agree that he wasn't playing well, but to to hook so him, you, yeah. you play making winger. Still one of the, he's still one of yeah. the best players, though, but isn't no, he? For, you know for what I mean? a forward, who's probably going to get it in the on the end of crosses. Yeah. It was a very strange decision. Yeah, yeah, really strange decision. But you know, it just goes to show the job Sadibi done on him. Um, yeah. Middle of the park. I looked at that team on the on on the way to the game, and I was like, "All right, Sandy's gone for it," but. Could they overrun us in midfield? And they didn't. You know, yeah. Gomez. I thought Gomez makes that team tick for me. You know, every every win we've had this season, he's been instrumental in it. You know, he was great against Wolves. He was great against West Ham. And he was great against um, Watford earlier in the season. And he just he, people just bounce off him, and then he he's got such control over the ball, even when he's got men men surrounding him. He he made. Tom Davis play well, and he made Alex Awobi play well because yeah. they had they didn't have the fear of having to cover, having to cover for him. Every pass that he played was forward. You know, nothing was. 
you know, nothing was negative about his performance. He's and, so big and strong as well. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, and that, that's 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 what's good about him. You know, Mark Noble, a little rat, was bouncing off him all the time. <laughs> and and everyone hates him, don't they, Mark? He's Noble? just he's always oh, an awful human being, isn't he? He's just but like you'd love him if he was for your team, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, and but but front to back, there was no like that, that's that's why the fans got on side so quickly was because everybody played well. Yeah. They didn't give. West Ham are sniffing that first half. They had that, they had that free kick in the early doors, which but what that went harmlessly wide, you know. But that's why the crowd was so on side. And it and it, you know what? After twelve kickoffs, it's always difficult to get the crowd going for games like that. Yeah, I mean, the whole midfielder situation at Everton has always been you know a point of contention at, at talking point. But even though we we played, we kind of played the same formation there that Silva's played for the past couple of weeks. There was no holding. Like one designated holding midfielder, there was that it was just complete team performance and everyone just doing different roles. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same for me as Rob said. I looked at the team and I thought, you know what, he's changed it. He's made attacking changes. He's he's gone for it basically when his neck was on the line. But to be fair, it looks like the solution to having too many old midfielders just play with none of them. Because for I the only problem I had with the team was I thought it's a bit attacking. I thought what you said, get overrun in midfield and they'd break on because I think they're a decent team, West Ham especially going forward. I don't think they're necessarily good defensively. But, you know, we didn't have any hold midfield on the pitch for the first time in a long time and it didn't really matter because the thing that surprised me as well, Sidibe and Dinier were that far up the pitch, almost playing as right and left wingers. We only left the two centre-halves sort of on the edge of our own area, uh, edge of our own half. And, it didn't really matter because we just didn't seem to lose the ball. Davis and Gomez, whether they were playing 10, 15, 20 hour passes, they didn't seem to give the ball away and they just controlled the game for me. I suppose that I suppose that you know the the consequence of having no hold midfield is that you've got two players there who know what to do with the ball. That's why we didn't lose the ball, lose possession and stuff. And yeah. every time it was it was a ball into Alex Awobi, who was facing their goal all the time. He wasn't static, he wasn't he was always looking for space. And I think that's why we they, West Ham just couldn't live with us in the end. You were carrying the ball as well for me. And that's yeah. that's what was weird to see. Like, Davis hasn't played in a while and he got thrown straight in the deep end. He's not picking up the ball and playing, like, sort of timid two-yard passes. He's getting the ball, getting on the ball and driving forward with it. And Gomez is sort of slotting him behind to cover him. But there was just, there was no fear for me in, in that entire performance. And that's what surprised yeah. me. There was, there was no fear. And especially when we won't warm nil up, it just felt like it could have been more. Didn't feel like we were going to drop it. There was a suggestion before the game that West Ham could be the ideal opponent for Everton in terms of they, you know, they've had a, a solid start of the season. Everton's forms dipped, obviously, and they would come to Goodison Park and play open and expansive football. Did, did they do that, or did Everton Everton just better in every department? What they tried to, what I felt they tried to do was they tried to get um, oh, who's the Argentine Lanzini on the ball. Mm. Early doors and because and because that didn't work because he was just getting snuffed out by um by Tom Davis and Gomez, they were resorting to hoofing it in the end, and that hollow was just that isolated because Mina's twice the size, and then Keane's just you know mopping up what 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 um what Mina's just done yeah and for for a team who, who you know who had Yarmolenko and who had Felipe Anderson and Lanzini all on the pitch, they were. Really, really poor, and that Fornals who they rave about as well. I thought he was yeah. awful. Um, so we limited them to just put putting hoof and long balls off from the top. I think they actually set up quite defensively. I was quite surprised because if yeah. I was the West Ham coach, 
I'd have been, you know, if I was Pellegrini, I'd have been shouting at them, going, listen, we need to get everything. Ride out first 10 minutes, let the crowd get a bit anxious, and then just take them on to their own game. Because, you know, in the last few games, we've not been great defensively. But they seem to set up like a bank of five and a bank of four with Haller on his own up front. And I, I, I think it played into our hands, but it was the energy. They were probably expecting for us to line up, I think, with sort of Sigurdsson behind the striker, who, for all his quality, as you see by the goal, is quite static and mm. quite sort of doesn't get involved in the game as much. But the fact that they had like a sort of low defence, just we just pressed them that out the pitch. I think at one point, the goalkeeper was passing it out to the defender and we had four of our attackers sort of on the edge of their box and they just they couldn't get rid of the ball. So their game plan went out doing different day from the first minute because we were so high up the pitch. And usually Everton team, Everton, uh, an Everton team would usually struggle to break down two banks of two banks of four. Yeah. And and I Definitely. think that the, the trick was it was, was you've just mentioned there, Ben, about the Sigurdsson, um, about Sigurdsson being static, you didn't have that. You had you had energy, the, you had the energy in a Wobie. Don't get me wrong, a Wobie's it. It's too harsh a term, this, but you you know what I mean by it. He's a bit of a headless chicken, and he you know what I mean. He just he just runs everywhere. He runs into space. He, he, yeah. There's no real like like direction to where I think he's almost got like a free roll if you like within the team. And based on that on Saturday, I'll give him a free roll. Yeah, you know and and. <laughs> Because you've got that player always looking forward, always looking for that forward pass, looking to spray out, spray it out to Walcott or um, Bernard, and or even play through into the Charleston. That just that's what we missed against Sheffield United. That's probably what we missed against Wofford when they came. I know we beat Wofford, but you know it was still only one nil. It was a bit a bit edgy. You're looking for that number ten to, you know. To put teams on the back foot and make them scarier. Well, we'll come on to Sigurdsson because I kind of wanted them to be like the focal point of the podcast because mm. of because of what happened. Basically, we probably had our best performance of the season without him, mm. and then he's come on <laughs> and scored an absolute worldy. So let let's come on to him um, in a couple of minutes. So, oh, does it bode well then that if West Ham sat not sat back, but you know, like you said, two banks of four. They were trying to be a bit more solid and not as expansive maybe as we thought they'd be. Everton have struggled against that, against yeah. teams like that. Sheffield United, for years. Just, well, yeah, yeah you just mentioned just, it. Yeah. So, was it the was it the, there wasn't really that much of a change in? in I think it was the fluidity up front, just different personnel yeah. in the. I right think positions. it was having the Charleston up front give us a give us a really good focal point because yeah. we weren't trying to lump the ball up for Calvert Lewin to hold up. We had the Charleston going up front and then we had a Wobian behind him and like I was sat um, next to my dad in the match and my dad was saying it doesn't look like any of the front four know what position they're playing but I turned around and went that, that's good that's mm-hmm. what you want because if you haven't got a 20 goal season target man in the middle you've got to have all the players sort of fluid moving and causing problems and that's you, exactly what you happened look, You look at the positioning for Bernard for his first goal He's our, he was our left winger and there he is on the right hand side of the penalty area you know the, the fluidity between them all West Ham couldn't handle it and that's what the beauty of it was for me, it was the perfect number nine performance from Richarlison. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Well, it's effectively it is a different style of play, like you said. There, yeah. Dominic Carver Lewin, we're not just hoofing it up, making him hold the ball up, whether he's chesting it or bringing it down to feet. It's actually balls over the top, like or in in behind, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? For the likes of a Wobi, Walcott, Richarlison, and Bernard to, to run onto. There's his blue, and that's his blueprint now for teams like that play play that kind of expansive football where. One minute Richarlison's on the right wing, but you've got Walcott running through the middle. And there were times like that when Walcott was going through the middle as well, and, yeah. and Bernard cutting in and, and whatever. And maybe play your Calvert Lewins and your Moise Keens against against your Chelsea's and your 
you know, you, I think that's where Cavaloon thrives to be honest, yeah, doesn't he? Against the bigger teams, yeah. teams like that, where, where, where they're going to have the ball and where they're going to want, you know, they're going to have the ball a hell of a lot more than us. It seems like Man City, you know, we play, well, we play well against City, don't forget. Let's not, you know, and and Carver Loon, you know, ran um, Fernandinho and um, I think it was Otamendi the idea, you know, ran them ragged. You know, you adapt to different scenarios. You don't stick to one, to one, to one style. Courses of courses, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think the next home game after this is is Tottenham. You know, it wouldn't bother me if he does change it up because Tottenham like the ball. Tottenham are going to play how Tottenham play. Tottenham play really nice football. But I think the home game after that, I think it's Norwich. Is it Norwich? Well, we've got the Waff. I think we've got the Waffle game well, the in between. Waff- 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 but in the in but in the league, you know, you've got this Norwich team who who yeah. probably will come up and try and try and play a bit, uh, you know, a bit more rigid than they would than they would at home. And that's the time ta- the kind of team you're gonna have to put. Pl- you're gonna have to pl- play. At home, at home, so you can break them teams down. We've we've struggled under from Martinez really to, to struggle to break them teams down. Moyes was the master of beating them teams one nil, mm. getting your goal and sitting back and just going, "You come at us now, mate." But Martinez struggled to do it because you can't pass, pass, pass around them. You can pass around them all you want, but you're not gonna get you're not gonna get in behind because your forwards aren't making them runs. It's like we played Villa, wasn't it? That's exactly yeah, what happened when we played Villa away. Yeah. As soon as they got the early goal, we couldn't get in behind them, so we resorted just sort of. I think it was Gomez just playing forty-yard passes to no one, and then they would they loved was putting the ball in the air, didn't they? And what was what was it? Sorry, what was interesting as well about the weekend is you look at the the passes that Dean and Sadibi made. They were I call them like the Leighton Baines passes in into the edge mm-hmm. of the in, into the edge of the box. Baines used to be great at it. He mm-hmm. played into the centre forward just on the edge of the box when you'd expect him to whip it in. But Sadibi, that pass Sadibi made for him for that that be chance that was that was incredible baller. Where's, we we need more of that. Coleman would never play that ball. No, he would. Coleman probably would get never. To the Coleman, 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 yeah, Coleman, trying to float it in. You know <laughs> what I mean? But so that's what you need. You need to be more expansive at home against teams like this, and that's how you'll cut them open. Where does Sigurdsson fit in then? Because as we've said, he's you know doesn't seem to fit <laughs> into the style of play. We've said it for weeks. It's it, it's it's becoming boring. You know, we've we've said change it, Marco. He has. We've had our best performance of the season, and then he goes and scores worldie. a worldie like that. What? Where does his future lie now? Well, For, in the immediate future, anyway, because obviously he's not going to be leaving. But is he going to be getting first team action? To be honest, I think after that game, I think you have to review it because for me now, after seeing the good points of him when he come on and scored the winner, but also seeing the point that Awobi's offering more when he's on the pitch, I think Sigurdsson now it's a case of. Given a Wobi a run in the team as the number ten because I think he he gives us so much more fluidity. If you're gonna play Sigurdsson for me now, especially sort of age years, sort of just past his prime, so to speak, sort of into his thirties, I think it's got to be now a case of you're gonna either have to play him deeper or not at all because I I, I know that's not his natural position, but he's at the end of the day he's still energetic and he's good on the ball. We need to try and develop him, I think, into a deeper midfielder, maybe where Davis played. The other week, because for me now that number ten position, I don't really ever want to go back to seeing a sort of as good as he is a static number ten in behind the side because I don't think it helps the team. So I think it's a case of he's either super sub coming on to try and nick a goal to win as a game like he did on Saturday, or they've got to try and work with him on the training pitch and get him to play a deeper role. Because I think there's a place for him, but I think a lot of players who are like that. Maybe a bit like David Silva. The last couple of years, he's gone back a bit. He doesn't quite play behind the striker anymore. He plays a bit of a deeper playmaking role. I think if he's going to be in the team, I think that's where his future lies. Do you agree with that, Rob? Look, I, 
yeah, you just you just hit the nail on it there with David Silva. David Silva used to play right up top of City, but slowly but surely he's dropped further and further back, almost like Rooney did, really. Definitely, you know, yeah. you know, and and look at the goal that David Silva scored at the weekend and where he started from and where he finished. He ghosts in because he's got the intelligence to be that kind of player. But at the same time, though, he'll mop up and he'll clean up passes and make forward passes from a deep line position. So Stale and De Bruyne and, and whoever can can raise in. I know we're nowhere near on the level of City, but you can get them in that kind of mould. We're, exa- like we're exactly where Tom Davis was playing. Andre Gomez was winning the ball. He was giving it to Tom Davis and Tom Davis was just was just giving it to giving it to the attacking uh, the attacking three in a, in a Wobie Walcott and um, Bernard, and I think if he, he's gonna be in, if he wants to be in the team, he's not the number ten that we want him to be anymore. If you, if you, your number ten should be really fluid and really like fast and and you know what they're unpredictable. He's not a modern day number ten for yeah, me anymore. Yeah. He is like a sword. Like you know, we go back fifteen years. Tim Cale was playing as number yeah. ten, and he's not a number ten now, is he? He's he almost, wouldn't play there now. He's almost like he's almost like a st- guilty in his career, especially last year. I felt he was almost like that second striker. Definitely, yeah. You know, he was he was some of the you look at some of the goals he scored last year. He was like he was playing off. He was almost playing off for Charles or Carvalho Lewin at times. Looking, you know, he was he was getting the tap ins and things, and mm. and so yeah, you know, he's got to be developed and. I certainly wouldn't be throwing him back in the team on on Saturday. To be honest with you, if we don't start that team, that's finished. That that played it's on. It's gonna be up for all, isn't it? If he puts Coleman and you know, Snyder back in. <laughs> you, 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 after we've just had that performance, you know, Marco Silva's gonna shoot himself in the foot if he changes. It, if it's through no fault, you know, through without injuries and whatever, mm. if he changes that team, he, he's a fool. Because Brighton are there to be got at because they try and play. They try and play football nowadays, and we play well against teams like that when we have a go. I just, I think it's it's interesting to say that someone because we we've, we've all said it. I don't think there's any question that he slows our football down, our, our attacking, um, our attacking play down. But then he comes on and, and does that. It was interesting, <laughs> like Tim Sherwood. Um, oh, I saw that. He hasn't watched us all season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he hasn't he watched was, the he game all season. the golf, and, and rightly so. But he was like, "Get him in that team. He needs to be in that team." <laughs> like for 80 minutes prior to Sigurdsson coming on the pitch, we we absolutely dominated West Ham, yeah. and really with the chances that we had, it should have been on top of the tune. It should have been about five, six yeah. nil, really easily. And he's quite clearly not watched Everton for the, for this season. Definitely um, not. Just an insane comment. I think he's got, and as well, I think he's probably got a bit of a. A bit of bias. He's his player. Did he? Well, he had him at Tottenham because he had him at Tottenham, didn't he? Quite possibly. But but I did think that. But I think but you know pundits don't know anything really these days, do they? You know, let's (laughs) let's be. It's just the fans. It's just yeah, you know, (laughs) you know, and and but but yeah, Sigurdsson, he he he'd be one of them players in years to come after he's well left the club. He'd be like, he'll have such like polarizing opinions, won't he? He'll look great on Premier League years, won't he? With all the free kicks and goals he scores, he scores. But well, probably another player who's been like that is. What's his name? Billy Elenoff. He was always playing the wrong position for me. Behind the cycle, he should have played. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no you yeah, the same yeah, with me yeah, on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah? Why the slowest left winger in the world? Yeah. Oh. yeah. No, but, you know, he's one of them. He'll, 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 he'll have different opinions on him, but at the end of the day, I'll never question his commitment to anything like that. But, you know, right now, this team, the way Marco Silva wants us to play, it doesn't hold a place for Gilfie unless he drops deep. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's quality. He's, you know he's what? quality. I, I think we've, I think to be honest with you, I think we've all said that. Even we said this last year. Drop him deeper where he can dictate games a bit more. Definitely. 
he's got he's a good passer of the ball, but when he's got his back to goal and he hasn't got the pace or the skill to take. He holds the ball up too much for me. Instead of playing that kill yeah. pass, he dwells on the ball and that gives the other defenders time to get back. Whereas it will be you said before, like a headless chicken. I think that helps us because you know, it will be turned. He doesn't want to sort of dally on the ball. Even if he does pick the wrong pass, at least he's picking the pass and he's keeping picking. the game moving. Yeah. So then the press can pick up the loose ball. Mm. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The view from the Gladys Street podcast. Uh, looking at the table then, Rob, you know, I haven't looked at the table since we've been in a relegation zone, so I haven't even seen like how far away we're from. 15th, 10th, whatever. Um, but we're no means out of having a, a decent season if we can pick some wins up. You know what, Mark, on, your, on the last pod, podcast made a really good point. He went, you know, Marco Silva hadn't really made any sackable offences up until, obviously, up until the Burnley game. And the Burnley game was vital in, in terms of, of getting a result, which obviously never happened because it's such early. What have we played now? We played nine. Is it nine we've played or ten? Can't remember. Whatever it is we played, and exactly we won. You know what I care about. You know, we're, forget we're, the other games. It was only one game. Yeah. Season started on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were the pre-season games, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, you know, a couple of results. You know, we beat. Let's say we beat Brighton. You know, we're in. We'll go into the top half then, and then you sort of think to yourself, you know what? Before this, you know, this dreadful December, what we're supposed to have. Could pick up a few wins. You, you're looking up, not down, you, basically, aren't you? You know, you look at Leicester. Leicester are doing exactly what we should should be doing, but we're not still not that far behind Leicester, you know. And, and people after the Burnley game, for me, were wrongly saying, "Ah, oh, you know, season's over, blah blah blah." You know, about same old stuff, same old stuff. You can't say that after eight or nine games, you know. No one, nothing's decided after then, and you know we're still in both cup competitions. We play a cup. We play our last 16 next week to put us into a quarterfinals of a competition which we've never won and, you know, which we could quite feasibly win this year. Probably just jinxed that now I've said that. Um, <laughs> Edit that one out, know, Ian. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the season's not over. This cut this podcast. A, cu- a, a couple of wins and you're back up there and, you you know, you, you, you're fighting again and, you know, just bring it on. Just let's just keep this momentum going. But, but let's not look too far ahead. Let's just go. Just focus on Brighton. Game by game. Go focus on Brighton. Get you know because Everton fans tend to like we just get ahead of ourselves. Mm. You know when we play Villa early this season. Oh yeah, we could go top. We were never gonna go top. Basically, it's us. Just <laughs> go and beat the team. Just go. Just don't worry about 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 what could happen. Just worry about what's in front of you right now. Well, that being said, Ben Rob saying that it wasn't as you know. This dip and you know this period hasn't hasn't been as bad as what people are making out. But did that win save Marco Silva's job? You know what? I'm gonna use like a cliche term now that I hate it because we say it every year. We've seen the corner there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate saying that because we always used to say it going to match me with that. But you know what? It felt it felt different on Saturday. I just think the team that was set up and the performance, it did feel different. And it's like you said before, Rob. If Marco Silva changes that team. When we go to Brighton next week and we don't pick up a decent, you know, if he makes the wrong change, he puts Coleman back in, etc. Then I think we'll be back, pretty much back where we were in terms of the fans getting on the manager's back. But he's bought himself, I think, enough time for him to win the fans back over. It's clear that the players still want him there, and it's clear that obviously Mashiri still wants him there. Otherwise, I think he'd have got rid of him after the Burnley game. But it was just a real breath of fresh air, and 
you know, I hope I'm not going to regret any, but it did feel as though a little bit like we used to have under Moyes, you know, where like that year we played United and we drew one all that Phil Neville tackle. You'd have that game. Yeah. yeah, that was that's where everything changed. And it reminds me as well, last year with the Cardiff game, Just after an international up, yeah. international break. So by all means, if he's done what he did last year, but a lot earlier on, then give him all the time in the world. So it, I don't want to jinx us, but that, I think that result, we'll look back at that and see think that was important. Yeah, every, te- every team has bad form in a season. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Man City or whether you're Wofford. But, you know, based off the table now, you, you know, you're gonna go. You're gonna have games where you're not gonna pick up the results that you that you're expecting to pick up. And obviously, we've gone four games there where it's like, oh come on, all right, something's got to change here. Otherwise, we're gonna end up in big trouble. And we've gone out there on Saturday, and I I make I make a point every Friday, and like, and I check what people predict, and all the pundits said West Ham will win. Yeah. Saw loads of fans saying Charlie Nicholas by any chance. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Nicola, Charlie <laughs> he has Nicola another said, to win all. Charlie said West Ham would win two one. I am um, Phil, um, not Phil Thompson. Um, the one Lawrenson on BBC said West Ham would win. No one kind of give us a hope, really. No, oh, I thought West Ham would win. And to ch- yeah, we all thought <laughs> yeah, we all thought West Ham would win. But no, but to chain out to chain out a performance like that, a perfect performance, and hopefully shut a lot of people up. You know, that hopefully that is the turning point and. You know, hopefully, like you've just mentioned there, it felt like after that Cardiff game, you know, we've come away off a break and we've we've come out, we've played well. And uh, barring the Fulham game, I think last season, after that, I think Fulham we were, Newcastle wasn't it? Fulham, and, and you know, we were we were spot on until the end of the year. And let's hope this is the same. You know, let's hope it's the catalyst to say, you know what, if we play like that every week and we're all behind each other, we'll get the crowd behind us and we'll win games. The big, the biggest thing for me, and probably the biggest thing for Michael Silver, was that the players did look like they were fully behind them. Definitely, you know, yeah. you, you could have gone to that game against West Ham and you would have known straight away whether the players were not behind the manager. That yeah. didn't seem to be the case, did it? No, to be fair, that's what I feared as well. Um, I've seen it before, haven't we, with Koeman, that it looked as though the players... I'd never see the players aren't trying because the players are all trying to impress, even for individual accolades. But it felt as though all the players were on Marco Silva's mm. side. And like like we've, we've just alluded to here in the podcast, it was the perfect performance. Other than the fact it probably should have been 4 or 5 nil, I don't think that's flattering to us. I think other than that, it was the perfect performance because it was a good atmosphere, good performance, great uh, team selection. And that sort of, everything went right for us and it's uh, it's really strange to be honest, the season we've had, how well it went. That's it, the whole, the whole game. It, I wasn't like worried about West Ham at all. Until that last, Until that, last that ditch, chance, that chance. non-corner. Yeah, you know, that would have been so evident for us to, to go and concede. concede that, I yeah. thought it was. I thought it was hundred percent happening. hundred percent. I thought that was happening because obviously I sit in the park end, so it was right in front of me when Sidibe got hacked down. For starters, it was a foul, probably a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then it was nowhere near a corner. A and when the corner come in, it sort of, it sort of went in slow motion because the ball was floating in and the Haller was completely unmarked and I was just sort of in, it just felt like one of the moments where you're going to start here and someone narrating it and like and this is where the season collapsed because the mm. header come in it bounced out and Jordan Pickford we've spoken about him on the podcast last time about whether or not he's been a bit out of form that was sensational and that was the only thing he had to do all game me. yeah it took a deflection off me and I didn't see that at the time but I remember raging at the time thinking why has he had a free header you know it was it was almost like the you know the, the, the old Everton slowly slowly maybe creeping back in there, but straight away, you know, we cleared it and we cleared our lines and 
and, and that, but that was the only real time that we allowed them to threaten. I mean, the decision from the referee, like I, I sit in the lower ladder, so it's quite far away. So, but you could just tell from the the crowd's reaction that it was yeah, corner. Yeah, it was quite clear, and the referee still still gave but it. I mean, if that had, that had gone in, if they'd scored from that. VAR wouldn't have had anything to do with that, would it? Well, I said this before the I said this before the pod. If if you've got if a goal's been scored there, surely that's got to be checked because it's a clear and obvious error mm-hmm. by the referee. But no one no one's clearing the rules, are they? Because you know you look at there was games all over the weekend which were affected by VAR. That being the game, how could how the hell did um, Johnny Evans get away with that? No one knows what VAR is meant to. Is meant to achieve and what they're trying to. I still think I still think VAR works for certain things like offsides. I think penalties. It's just too well, subjective. Today he was was it today the um, the Premier League have said they're not gonna still not gonna give the referees the monitors um, after at the, the pitch side monitors for them to go and check. Mm-hmm. I think offside is definitive. Though, definitive. Isn't it? Oh yeah, you're either on or you're off. You know what yeah. I mean? There's no there's like, no if or but on that. It's like you tennis, know. it's on the line. Or yeah, it's whether not. whether it's whether it's your fingertip or whether it's your whole hand, you're, you're offside, aren't yeah. you? At the end of the day, but like, but you know, you look at that. Um, uh, the Mina Pedder. We know, still why? don't know what happened oh, yeah, with that, do we? Know, even there's no matter today. Journalists, a lot of top pundits have said no idea why that goal was this loud. In fact, someone did say it was Gomez who was meant to have fouled him. That's where that Andre. That's where. Where did I hear that? Wasn't I with, with you? I think, yeah, we were on the way home because I'd said to you because I thought originally I thought that because it was now because it was now swinger I thought the ball had gone out of play. Yeah, the, but then it was you said to me, no, no, they took a free kick from it. Yeah, someone suggested. Yeah, um, it's a Gomez foul. Gomez a foul, but he literally did nothing. It was it was very similar to what like going back his Ferguson did in the Villarreal game or like yeah, oh, no, one, no one knows what no it was. foul whatsoever. Yeah. Don't open that wound. Again. Weird, I, I, thought, I thought I thought I thought um, uh, Paul Tierney had a really poor game in general. To be honest with you, I thought his I thought his game management was awful. Mm. Like. You don't mind seeing it's it's given these fifty fifties. What bothers me? It's like West Ham, a West Ham player gets a touch, they go down rolling on the floor. The same thing happens two minutes later, we get nothing. And that's what really, really irks me about about Just consistency, don't you? Yeah, that's the, all you want. The, I mean Tom Davis's booking was a joke. Tom Davis didn't boot the ball away. The ball he put, went to pass the ball. The ball took a deflection off one of the West Ham players and it looked like he 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 booted it away. You know, it's just it's just a really, really bad performance all round, really, from him. And I mean, that corner alone that West Ham had, if they'd have scored from there, the, you know, that would have been. Oh, absolute... we know your feeling on referees. I know. You don't need to tell everyone. I, know. <laughs> um, I mean, you've already said every, both of you, you don't want to change the team for um, the Brighton game, but Sadibi, like not many people have seen him. He's played against um, Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he, in the in the League Cup? But how impressed were you with Sadibi then? You know what, <laughs> he was. Pretty again, go back to my early point. Eight out of ten for every player, and he's no no exception to that. I was surprised how far up the pitch he played. To be honest, I was surprised he did play sort of as a right wing back. But you know what? It was just is a real a bit like the rest of the team. Just a breath of fresh air from start to finish. He looked confident defensively. He did. I didn't worry about him when players were on one on one with him at all. He looked like he's got pace about him. His end product, I think, in the first half left a little bit to be desired. But we are used to seeing. Ah, Seamus, like, you know, throw the ball about 10 yards behind the back post. But uh, if he, they cannot take him out the team based on that. They can't. They, if he puts Coleman back in, regardless of whether he's the club captain, Silver is just making a rod for his own back because Sidibe looked, didn't look shaky at the back, looked really good going for, especially like you said earlier, that pass to Awobi, which Awobi should have scored. But if he keeps that up, 
we've got the option to buy him, haven't we? So yeah. you never do know. You we could have sorted the right back problem there. Do you know what? As well, you, when you think about it, there you've got the potential to have your fullbacks being the world champions fullbacks. You'd have to, haven't you? you a know, couple of days before he was getting recalled back to Monaco. Apparently, yeah. that were the rumours anyway. Because we, we weren't impressed with him. You know, he, he barely played. But no, no, that, go, that was, the, yeah, was one of the reasons. You know, but you've got the opportunity. Time. You've got the opportunity to have the world champions fullbacks as your own fullbacks. That's not. That's not something to take your nose apart, really, is it? Everton can't turn their nose up at that, no way. <laughs> you know, and you know it'd be a travesty and detriment to Marco Silva if you put Seamus Coleman back in. Two on, steps forward, one step. Uh, sorry, yeah. one step forward, two steps back. If he changes you know anything I, in that team, I tell you what. Do you know what? Do you know what he can do? Play Seamus Coleman in the cup game. Yeah, I agree. Well, actually, you know what? I don't agree because I think though? the cup's more important. I'd play. I go well for Leather. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a squad game, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And there's going to be times where Coleman's probably going to come back in. There's going to be times mm-hmm. when Sigurdsson's going to come yeah. back in. It's just how he sets the team up. Like you said, Sigurdsson plays, does he play deeper? But we still play a Wobie as the number 10 behind the strikers. Because if it, if it's just Sigurdsson in the midfield with a Wobie on the left, well, you might as well just go home. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're playing a, a poor team who... who you know, you can build up slowly and attack. The only thing, I mean, the only thing I could potentially see him doing on Saturday is if he's fit, is maybe putting Delph in. Because Delph will pass the ball forward. That's that, and I like, Delph played well with Gomez before as well. I That's think it would be very harsh. Oh no, that. it would be very, very harsh. It would be, but, you know what Silver's like? He messes around with his teams until he's got like something which like, he's confident in himself. That works completely. And I mean, Saty should tell him that in its own right, but this is Marco Silva we're talking about. I can see him making maybe one change if he's... You never, you never know, if Mina's not fit, he might even play Delft Yeah, well, obviously, half. Mina... Um, Just people start if he's injured. We're waiting on an update, aren't we? <laughs> Wouldn't I? No. Well, I've got this question. I've been saving this question for you, Rob. Your mate, Theo Walcott, why did he play so well? Oh, what a game. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Like, when, Rolling when back the years. It, it, but that's, but, but what, what I liked about him... And, and, and Bernard, yeah, <laughs> about him and Bernard, it was helping the fullbacks out. You know, they yeah, were defensively, exactly, they were defensively yeah. helping the fullbacks out. Yeah. They were both, they were both great. But Walcott was, apart from his debut against Leicester, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, that's his best performance. I, I said exactly that since that game. I, I think he scored two against Leicester, didn't he? That mm. won as the game two one. Yeah. Other since then, that's been his best performance by a mile. And it was, it was more like dance. It was his work rate and his. Is interchanging with Richarlison and Bernard, you know, switching switching the flanks and switching, you know, positions and things and getting yourself into space. He was lucky in the first half. He had that chance in the first half, didn't he, where it just deflected out for a corner. That was yeah. going in the top in there. And, and then that bar and that one that hit the bar, Jesus Christ, that nearly took. Oh no. That the, was the, insane. The roof nearly fell off when that one in Jesus. It was He seemed to form a nice partnership with Sadibi as well. I yeah. don't know what you thought. Sadibi yeah, yeah. when he got the ball, he was always looking for you know the outlet. The, yeah. Coleman was the outlet. it's not Coleman, Walcott was the outlet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and again, he's another one. Does this mean he's not crap? Well, you know, we'll see. But, <laughs> you know, but give him, but give him, but, but don't change that team. Keep him in there and say to him, you know what, mate, you've you've done well there. That you're staying in the team. What does that say to the? What does that say to the players if after that game yeah. he drops anything really? Yeah. Especially Sadibi. Sadibi will be saying, "I want to go back to Monaco" because he couldn't have done any more in that what game for me. Yeah, what have so, I got to do? So, what's the point in being there as a friend? Like I say, as a French international. If after one game, when he's played that well, James Coleman comes back in, who hasn't been great. So I, I, the balance for me on the right-hand side was fantastic. It was the balance more than anything of, like you say, Walcott getting back to be going forward. 
And we just, for the first time, a long time, I think we looked a threat on both wings just as much as each other, whereas normally yeah, it's, we, it's always been, historically, it's been our left-hand side, especially yeah. now I've got Luca Dean on the left. But the balance for me, you're worried about the right side if you're playing against Everton, the left, and then on top of all that, you've got Richarlison, the Wobie, pressing well high up the pitch. So really, got to keep it that way. Yeah, And Gomez, we've, we've have talked about him, but I think I'm right in saying he's played five games this season. We've won three that he's played and drawn one and lost one. Quite clear the ratio when he plays. He makes that midfield tick. That's it. You said that last time, didn't you? He makes that midfield tick, and he if needs he's not to stay in the fit, team, doesn't he? He needs to stay fit, and that was probably the fittest I've seen him look, even against Palace and um, the other games that we yeah. won. He, he didn't look that it, fit, but that was a full ninety off him on yeah. on Saturday in terms of like you know performance levels and stuff. And he was he's just he's just that presence, isn't he? That you want him in your midfield to, to dictate what's going on. You know, Noble and who else was he had in midfield? Four Niles, wasn't it? Four Niles just didn't get a sniff off him. Oh, well, Declan Rice, but to Declan be fair, Rice, he may as well sorry. have been a hologram, to be honest, because yeah. uh, he is he is another example, isn't he, of England just overhyping players. players. I yeah. used to think he was good, but I haven't seen him on Saturday. He did it all the time. He did it with Wilshire. He's done it with Walcott. Exactly. Like, Wilshire's still sliding on the floor, isn't he? After Sigurdsson turned him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's got grass burns on his yeah. knees, hasn't he? <laughs> um, a positive then, obviously lots of positives, but Mina continues to impress, but obviously then he, he suffered the... An injury scare there. We don't know the full extent. We're hopefully going to find out oh, that God. it's nothing too bad. But you know, if he's injured, it's worrying. Isn't it? it is worrying. The whole just seems, come just in seems or... to be a knock on more than like a strain. Hopefully. It did, but remember, yeah. a knock with Evan is probably as cruciate. You know what I mean? A knock. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he's probably got a knock, and then also like done a Richard right and fallen out the loft it's as well. The, you know it, what I mean? It would have been interesting to see though, because Mason Holgate up until the goal wasn't warming up at all. He wasn't ready. It was only when we scored the goal. I think Silver made the decision: get him off now. Let's not do it. Well, you know, the game's still two minutes to go there. Really, mm. where, you know, once we'd scored, you know, let's not aggravate him more. Let's get him off the pitch. And you know, Silver said after it, it didn't seem too serious. So you know, fingers, fingers on every hand crossed because but he's it, been fantastic. He has. He, he was. He was colossus yesterday on on. Saturday. I'm surprised to be honest. Cause I, yeah. Like I said last season, I wasn't looking at him going. Or he's going to be a well beast. He's just unorthodox, isn't he? He's a, he, he... You say he's unorthodox. I think it's harsh, though, when people say, or oh, hate it when he's got the boy, he looks dead clumsy. He's Apart a... from his run, I think he looks dead composed, he's mate. He's calm, he's yeah. strong. He's better than Michael Keane yeah. on the ball. But he's, he's, he, is, he is a bit like unorthodox in his approach to things. And uh, you know what, though? He's dead good in the air, isn't he? Mm. You know, he's had more shots on target than any yeah. other Everton player this season. <laughs> yeah, I read that before, yeah. So, well, we're well, his goal. He, he should have had a goal as well, shouldn't he? Definitely. Yeah. From far as we could see, I haven't seen a replay, but what's wrong with it to me? Like you said, fingers crossed that he uh, he is fit for Brighton because he's been, you know, a positive throughout the mm. you know the much uh, terrible performances this season. Um, we'll finish off then over the next um, couple of questions and couple of minutes. This is what I wanted to say actually. Like, this is probably an unpopular opinion, by the way, but Bernard frustrates the life out of me. Really? Oh, I thought he played really, really he well, played, just like really everyone well. did on he Saturday. Did, but come on, he could have messed that first goal up. Okay, he scored. Don't get me wrong. I just want him to be a bit more. Not, no, he's he's not a goal think, scorer. He's never yeah. been a goal scorer, has he? I think that's probably everyone would probably tell you that he wants. Assist. I think everyone would probably tell you that he, you know, he probably should be a bit more ruthless, clinical in the box, whether it's whether he's assisting or whether he's scoring goals or not. But I'm not slagging him. But I think I think he's like Hansi Gomez in the sense of. I think he just makes that team tick. He's always he's one of them. He's, he's always looking for the ball. He's got that low centre of gravity where if he gets knocked, he's going down. Or he, but he, but he's strong enough to, to you know to, to get to get past the man. And 
he you know for one little flick he can turn a, a defense into attack really quickly and for me he's one of the first on the team sheet and he's I, I know I, I know I get people yeah I get people's frustrations with him and but what I mean is there was a um, there was a passage of play in the second half where he got to the byline and he, then he was facing um, you know facing the six yard mm. area and he beat he beat the man I can't remember who it was and he tried to beat him again and he lost it. And it's like you didn't have to do that. You could have crossed that in. So that that's mm. the frustration for me. You know what though? You know we remind. I don't know whether you're gonna agree with this or completely laugh at me. It reminds me a lot of Stephen Pina yeah. when he first joined Everton, because Stephen Pina, the gripe I always had with him was he was useless in front of goal. He scored the odd goal from outside the box, but he never sort of contributed in the box. And that he got better gradually as he was at the club. And I'm hoping Bernard's gonna kind of do the same because like Pina, he brings the best out of his fullback. And like you say, there Pina fitted well into the team, made the yeah. team tick. That's I, I agree. I think we look better when Bernard's in the team. But I'm on both sides here because I do think he lacks productivity. But I think Stephen Pina did, to be honest. And look how successful him and Luke and like Baines were. It, yeah. So yeah, I agree. He makes the team tick over, and there's no way I'd be he should be dropped. I'd be, no. inter- I'd be interested to see the, you know, when people come out like with them stats like how many goals he's been involved in and things like that you know it'd be interesting to see that to those stats on Bernard because he, I just think he, he helped make that team tick yeah. he, he offers something completely different to what the right hand side offers with Richarlison when Richarlison's there or when Walcott's there you've got you've got a fast player who can you can put a ball in the box but whereas Bernard's got like that he's got that skill and that trick he has I think he opens the space up for yeah, Dean because he cuts need, inside yeah. doesn't he and then the it brings the full back in so when he brings the fullback in, that space is just completely yeah. free for Dean to run into. No, I, I agree. I just, um, again, it probably is a little bit controversial. I just I just think he could probably be a bit more clinical. And when I say clinical, I don't even mean goal scoring. I just mean, you know, picking out a, a more of a killer pass. Don't don't have to necessarily take the man on again when you've when you've already beat him. And in his defence as well, I think you could probably say that about Wobie Walcott and Richarlison as well, yeah. in terms of creating things and... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think it goes all the same. We haven't scored enough goals. We mm. didn't score enough goals last season. We haven't scored enough yeah. goals this season. And obviously, we've been conceding goals. Anyway, positive this week. We're, pay- we're playing Brighton away from home, a game in which we obviously lost there last season um, around the festive period, if I remember. 1 0, was it? 1 0. Yeah, yeah, Frustrating game that I remember watching it after the, after the, the Burnley win as well, wasn't it? Yeah. When we saw that was, that was frustrating in itself. So we're going into. Brighton again on on the back of a positive result. I mean, you'd have to look at it again, Ben, and just say, if we get beat against Brighton, we're just li- literally back to square one, aren't we? You know, yeah. even a draw, okay, it would. Probably... I think he gets away with results. He's got, and then he's got but that a massive cup game in the second game. Draw against a team where you. Would... I think it depends about the manner of it, you know. Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be a win, though. Just oh, just yeah. to get over the. <laughs> You know, the make case. up for lost ground basically. Yeah, but the, the case of, of ways we struggle away. You know, if we go and beat West Ham like we've just done at home, get the monkey off our back from losing four Definitely, in a yeah. row, and then we've got a, an away performance against Brighton. Let's face it, you'd rather go and play Brighton away than Manchester City away. We couldn't ask really for a better away game. Where you, you would have thought they've been poor at home as well, haven't they? Other than I mean. the Tottenham games, to be fair, yeah. Um, we've yeah, I know what you're saying. We've got to go there and win. I think the next. Four game, uh, next three games though, two of them are on Watford and the Tottenham game. I think if someone turned around to me now and said we'll win the Tottenham game, win the Watford game, and draw against Brighton, I'd have that to be honest. Is I think the Watford game is that important. I think I'd probably take a point in the Brighton game if you told me we were going to get through the Watford game and through to the next round. Would you agree with that? 
Wait, yeah, the way when you when you say it like that, it's just so much more important for me. That Carabao Cup game cannot be emphasised enough that we need to full yeah. out and get everyone behind the team because that that those two points against Brighton, if you drop them, you can make them up. We cannot make up getting dropped out of another cup competition this early on, especially when the draw's been that kind. Yeah, I couldn't disagree with that. You know, I think, but Brighton, you just said there, their home form, you know, isn't isn't the best. They got beat at the weekend as well, didn't they? Villa, you know, they're a team like I mentioned before. They're a team who who under um, the new manager like to play foot. They like to like play football and stuff. Now they're not the old who for up to Glen Murray team that they that they used to be. Um, so I think there'll be opportunities for us. I think it'll be it'll be a game with quite a few chances. I think we will create chances, but again, it all depends on what silver what team silver picks. But if he runs comes away from that with a draw, I wouldn't be wouldn't be devastated devastated in any shape or form. No, I agree. Okay, then. So we will finish off the podcast with predictions as we always do. Uh, ben, go with your prediction. Well, obviously, three and eleven. Theo Walcott has it. Quite. I mean, that's, that's What's your quite real evident. prediction? <laughs> What's my real prediction? Um, you know what? I'm gonna be positive. Three-one uh, away win, and you know what? We just need to get Moise Keane on the score sheet, even if it's on the bench. So he'll come on and score the third. I'm gonna be dead negative here. One-all. It's a one-all. I must admit, it is a one-all game. I'm gonna say what? I think we'll draw. I think we'll draw one-all. Yeah. And I'll go Moise Keane on the score sheet, but I think we'll go Ed. I think we'll go ahead, but we'll concede. We'll concede, yeah. I mean, obviously, if Big Yeti's playing, I think we'll yeah, definitely yeah. keep a clean sheet. He's due a goal as well, him, isn't he? Yeah. He said that, like we said about shots on target, he's, he's going to score yeah. pretty soon. Hopefully, he saves it for the derby. But I think, but I think, if 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 we match the performance level of last of last of Saturday just gone, and we still come over the points, I still think you've got the fans on side still on that. And I think it's the manner. I think if even if we draw, I think yeah. it's the manner of the display. It's the, isn't manner, it? the manner of the display. Yeah. So definitely. I'm going to say one uh, 0 I'm going to go with a positive one 0 I think we will hopefully play the same team. I don't think we'll be as as fluid and as attacking as we are against West Ham, but I think there's obviously the potential for that to happen. But I just think Brighton, are, you know, there's no easy game in the Premier League. No more cliche, but I, I do think we'll. We'll be positive, pick up three points, but it'll be a tough game and it'll, it'll be a 1 0. That's my prediction for I'll the, take that all day long. I think we all would. And then a, a win against Watford the following week. That's that is following the big game. A couple for of days me. later, yeah. Cool. All right, lads. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming on, Ben. Cool. Thanks thank for you, me. Rob. Thank you for coming on. Um, for the listeners out there, plenty of podcasts available on the Royal Blue channel this week. Um, so keep an eye open for those. Plenty of previews on the Brighton game as well as after that, looking ahead to the Watford game. So. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.